Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We ask what to expect from F1 new boy Alex Alban and discuss the Fernando Alonso Jimmy Johnson car swap. One season may well be over, but there's been plenty going on in the past few days since the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We've had a driver confirmed in Alex Alban at Toro Rosso. We've had Fernando Alonso and Jimmy Johnson swapping cars in Bahrain. And we've also had tyre testing in Abu Dhabi with plenty of drivers in new places. So almost next season starts here. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to talk about the latest goings on in, in post-season Formula One. First is Karun Chandok. Are you, are you enjoying... Some downtime now at the end of the season? Has it gone yep. quite a few yet? I uh, had a shaky start to my fire-making abilities at the fireplace at home, but I seem to have cracked it now. Well, I was saying that the fire was attempting to do a bit of impersonation of your of your career with uh, with Die Out, but it, it, there we go. It's 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 flared up. It's winning. Harsh, straw, it's, harsh. It's, winning. it's on a fire, literally, now. I'm it, making a comeback. It's winning GP2. It's just past Andy Suchak to win a GP2 race. Exactly. Listen, I've done more driving than Banderson's done writing this year, let's be honest. That's not hard. That's not hard. And indeed, we do have Ben Anderson. Are you uh, you enjoying life? You're, you're 
basically acting as editor of F1 Racing at the moment. So slightly different pace. Obviously, you work, I don't know what it is, was it one day a week or something? But you can take us... A... <laughs> <laughs> I'm but slowing down. My career is slowing down. You're in semi-retirement, but uh, much, much like... Uh, much like Sabbatical, the they call it, don't they? <laughs> exactly. But is it, is it nice to take a bit of a, a longer view, look at what's going on in Formula One, rather than just being on the coalface of the day-to-day madness like the rest of us? Yeah, it's nice to, nice to be able to take an overview Take a breath as well, because the, uh, the the online world is ever relentless and knackering. Yeah. <laughs> and well, there's there's some very good stuff to read in uh, in F1 racing. So, uh, oh, some, thank you very much. Avoid avoid the column I occasionally do, but uh, other than that, no, it's uh, it's very good. And my final guest is Jonathan Noble, who uh, well, you'll be very well placed to talk to us about the Alonso Johnson car swap because you've uh, not long since returned from Bahrain. Yeah, so I had a Sunday night Abu Dhabi, left the track at 10 o'clock, I think, jumped on a plane, landed in Bahrain at one in the morning, and up the next morning straight to the track in a day of NASCAR and F1 swap fever, as they say. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like we say, plenty plenty going on. The The season never stops when it comes to Formula One, really. It's always something going on. Well, let's, let's first go for the driver market situation. Alexander Alban, who finished third in F2 in the end, finally confirmed at Toro Rosso after extracting himself from the from the Nissan Formula E contract with uh, with Edams. Now Corinne, you're our resident Red Bull Junior expert, seeing as you were part of that programme in the in the dim and distant past. It's another question of recycling, isn't it? Because he was on the scheme many years ago and now he's got himself back in. Like Daniel Kavir. And Brendan Hartley. <laughs> and Brendan Hartley. It's the fashion now, isn't it, for, for Toro Rosso uh, drivers? I mean, it, it's kind of a sign of the times in that, you know, the whole programme has changed. I mean, when I was doing GP2... At the time, there was driver, you know, just so many drivers. There was Bohemi and myself in GP2. They had Daniel and Jean-Éric Verne in Formula 3. You had a couple of drivers in World Series. You had kids in Formula Renault Euro Cup. I think actually at the time it was Kvyat Science maybe in Euro Cup. They had Robert Vickens as well, didn't they? Vickens was in World, uh, Formula 2. They had the mm-hmm. F- old FIA F2, didn't they? Yeah. On um, the Jonathan Palmer series. And they had Michaela Leshin in there with, with Vickens. So... You had all these drivers sort of on the fringes that that helmet could pick up and lob into a test and then, you know, move into a race seat. He seems to have really narrowed down the program. And the one kid that he probably wanted to put in the car doesn't have a super license, which is Dan Tictum, two-timer Macau winner now. And, uh, you know, Dan's a... He, he, he's not afraid of, of saying things and often... Sp- often speaks before he thinks and he he will get into trouble on occasion but i think one day we will see him in formula one because i think he's he can drive i mean i've seen him driving various bits and pieces and he has matured i've known him for a few years now um and he has matured and i think he'll be in there soon but yeah albon you know decent job in f2 this year obviously he's a second year driver as opposed to george russell and lando who are rookies but he still was up there finished third in the championship won four races, I think, in his F2 campaign. So, you know, clearly can drive. Um, it took a long time to sort of the contractual stuff, but at least he's there now. It only leaves one seat left to be confirmed. I wonder if Lance Stroll's going to do a good enough job of the test this week to well, get it. clearly he's got to convince whoever makes the decisions in that team that he's up to it. I'm not sure who, who's the final decision maker there, but uh, I think he'll find his <laughs> way in. But Ben, what do you expect from from Albon? It's a strange route to this to this uh, this seat. He's had a he's had a decent junior career, perhaps not perhaps as stellar as was maybe hoped because he was brilliant in karting, 
you know, there's there's a lot of buzz about him at one stage. Clearly, a very very good driver, but it's kind of a, a reward for a driver who he fell off that Red Bull train, but he's managed to to get himself into position. Admittedly, circumstances played a part, but he, he's sort of forced his way into that seat because I don't think Helmut Marco was seriously considering him not so many months ago. No, I think as Corinne said, Tickton was the the guy they were looking at. The super license situation has scuppered that and means Tickton probably goes off to Japan for a year and secures his license and then you take a take a view after that I think they also they were quite interested in Lando Norris but of course and um, there was that whole situation of oh you know if if he if McLaren don't sign him then he'll come onto the market and we don't have to trade him off against James Key or anything like that we can just nab him and and they were in serious talks about trying to put him in the car at one point um interestingly Norris said that uh, Albon was one of his heroes when he was in karting and I think George Russell said that uh, Albon is one of the most underrated drivers in junior single seaters so the fact that those two the top two in f2 who've got their drives already and um had such outstanding rookie seasons in that category are, are um talking this guy up and he's a, nice he's, he's a guy well. to watch now he's a nice kid as well alex um you know he's very feet on the ground very level-headed um you know a bit like bit like george as well you know they're quite pragmatic they're not lost in showbiz um you know he's, he knows he's He's got to prove himself. He's got you'll get one chance in Formula One to to do it, and you've got you've got to take that, haven't you? I think, that yeah. That, you know, in many ways, he's kind of got nothing to lose because it's such an unexpected opportunity. Okay, he's probably burned bridges in Formula E, maybe permanently to get there. But as you say, it's Formula One. You've a chance you're not expecting. He thought that Helmut Marco was done with him. He's managed to convince him to take another look and circumstances of course have helped that but now it's all there for him and if he if he can do the job in the car then who knows where it will lead but how do we judge him that's the quickie that's the tricky one isn't it because he's up against Daniel Kafiad who hasn't raced in a year and a half uh, how, how three how times we... resurrected yeah full driver <laughs> well, it's, that's it's the only thing is I don't know how we judge Albon next year but I think Kvyat will come back as a you know, not as mentally weak as when he left. I think, you know, the Red Bull system had destroyed him for the second time towards the end of Toro. So he's an experienced, established driver. And I think Alex has to treat this as a, you know, one-year golden opportunity. Um, you know, brilliant circumstances. If, you know, Daniel's shock move to Renault triggered a, you know, bizarre scenario that's got Ocon out of Formula 1, uh, got Alex into it. Um, and the Tictum situation... Um, you know, Tixon's on the verge of the super license if he does Toyota series in New Zealand this winter or if the Asian F3 series gets the super license points, he could get his 40 points before the start of next year. But when Red Bull were making the decision, they didn't even know he was going to get the points for Macau. So I think in the end, you know, if Red Bull knew where they were now, judging by how good Tixon was in Macau this year, you know, it may have been a different scenario. So Alex has got to go there and grab it and, you know, treat it as this you know this is the chance for me to prove myself he's, he's got the brendan hartley opportunity hasn't he but one year later it's not really a driver that was supposed to be available he's the guy they've just decided to take the punt on he just needs to do a better job in marco's eyes than hartley did against gasly this year and it certainly it, it means there's pressure on both him and kvyat because assuming all goes well for Tictum. He's a very fast driver, Tictum. We saw how well he won in Macau. That was a absolutely dominant victory. It was overshadowed by the horrific accident to Sophia Fersh, but a, a fantastic performance from Tictum, twice Macau winner. So we can kind of assume that he's 
on the brink of going. And, you know, it's not impossible if either of those two drivers who are in the car have a dire first half of the season, or even less, they could be out. Well, this, we, is, why, this, is, why, this is why Dan's so been so focused on, I need my 40 points before the start of the season. I think, And he also understands himself that he needs to he needs to perform that if he has a poor year in Super Formula, you know, he accepts he'd be he'd be pushed out. But, uh, you know, he knows the, these these highs and lows. And, you know, he was the golden boy of Red Bull by the pre-summer and then a bit of an end of season drip as the Schumacher went up. And then that Instagram post criticising him um, didn't go down too well with the Red Bull bosses. So There's some things to learn there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Still, but I think he has, I think he has learned. I think he, I think he's understood. What um where the mistakes were made and he's matured. I spoke to his boss Timo Rumpfkeel in Macau. He said at the start of this year, you know Dan was you know getting involved in these things ninety percent of the time. Now we've got it down to ten percent. So I think another year he'll be he'll be well there. I mean he he's just not afraid of upsetting people, does he? You know he, whether it's whether it's officials or or other drivers or other teams, whatever. Just, and uh, you know that he'll have to beat some of that out of his system. Yeah, because I think before he gets to F one, because that will come back to bite him. I think. I think. Yeah, but I think he's, I think he's better. I think twelve months ago he was, you know, chomping off left, right, and centre, and you know, you you were having to even as a journalist censor what he was saying. So you just knew it was going to be harmful to him. Now he's he's kind of a bit like Max. Really, he'll he'll voice his opinion, but and I think it's good. We don't want PR machines who no, don't say anything not. and don't speak out. So I think if he if he can achieve the right balance. Uh, it'll be brilliant. He'll be a, a breath of fresh air in Formula One. But I think we should expect coming back to to Albon. It's very interesting. I mean, how should we judge him? Ultimately, you're judged compared to your teammate. Yes, Tony Kvyat's got a lot of experience in Formula One, and actually, I think he's a, a better driver than he was able to to show. He's you know he's a quick driver. The problem for him was he wasn't mentally strong enough. There's a belief that he's changed. He's matured in that period. Maybe he has. But if I was Albon, I'd be going in there thinking, well. We know this guy's mentally fragile, so the last thing he'll want is someone like me coming in and just giving him a bit, getting ahead of him a bit early on. So, I, I think if you're Albon, you you think you've got a chance there. I think that's it, it. It's very. It feels to me very fifty-fifty. Let's say we yeah. assume it's a bonus career for both. Exactly. Of them, isn't if it, really? we assume yeah. if we assume the, the the lineup beyond next year is going to be Tickton plus one of those two, it's going to be a fas- fascinating subplot, isn't it? Yeah, but also I think. Albon's got the benefit of being race fit. You know, he's just come off the back of a full F2 campaign. I think you can't underestimate that. I mean, that's part of the Kubica story, isn't it? You know, aside from all of his, you know, injuries and the recovery and all the rest of it, he's actually not raced in eight years. And we've we've seen it with people like Michael and stuff, you know, just having a little bit of time away. It's quite hard to come straight back in it. But you've got to, Kvyat's got such experience about car setups and tyres and understanding the you know tens of thousands of kilometres done in that Ferrari simulator and working through their processes on Grand Prix weekends. And that very is, recent that is as gonna, well. That is going to be hugely beneficial to him in pushing that forwards. Although you know any developments he takes that team is obviously going to help Alex as well. I think it's going to be a fascinating battle, and it's it's quite fifty fifty who who they they go for. I mean the fact they've brought Kvyat back. Necessity played a part in it, but clearly that means they still think that what they saw in there and what we've seen flashes of is is uh, is, is worth pursuing. So, yeah, I think the Toroso situation is going to be fascinating to watch. They're going to have to prove themselves, though, aren't they? That's the thing, because yeah. neither is the first, second, or probably even third choice if Red Bull had been able to get exactly the, the things lined up that they wanted to. Um, Norris, um, Tictum... Possibly someone like Ocon, if Mercedes had let him go, they would have looked at him. 
maybe even Van Dorn if that situation had resolved itself earlier. So they've had to go quite a long way down the, the pecking order of drivers to pick I know, those I know two. So I know they weren't, nothing, keen, nothing. They, they, they weren't keen on Van Dorn at all, interestingly, because I was... You were talking him up, weren't you, at one point, even yeah, to yeah, Christian Horner? Yeah, and, and I think there's, certainly from Marco's perspective, I think they didn't see a great... Uh, they didn't quite see enough room in the junior categories and you can't really blame them considering what, what happened with uh, McLaren this year but I do think Stoffel van Dorn has got uh, has got something to offer but uh, yeah well, we've uh, digressed a bit there well let's let's move on from uh, the driver situation and have a look at what happened in Bahrain John we know I mean those who've probably just seen the pictures we saw Jimmy Johnson in a Formula 1 car Fernando Alonso in a NASCAR so you can just talk through what happened and it was it was more than just a uh, a quick PR turn of laps. Yeah, wasn't we've it? seen we've seen car swaps in the past. I don't remember Lewis and was it Tony Stewart did a day swap after Canada. But these these things in the past have just been let's do five laps in thing, go around the track, take some nice photographs, handshake, helicopter out and go. But this day was a proper, you know, registered runs, old tires, new tires, properly mapped out. Jimmy had been in the simulator. I think he spent six hours one day in the simulator running through things um, out in the car. Fernando set his benchmark time. Um, uh, one minute forty point four, one minute forty point two. Fernando did in the morning straight back at the F one car, and by the afternoon, Jimmy was down to a forty point four. So two temps off, um, which I think is pretty impressive. I know Fernando wasn't on a, it was not a pole lap, and when you get to performance, it's a different thing. But for a man in his first day in a single seater to be That's doing mega. this on the edge, uh, and it wasn't a one, it wasn't a one off lap. It was all over the place. He was you check the lap times. It was forty point four, forty point five, forty point six, forty point four. So you know, consistent there. And for one day, um, imagine what he'd be doing if he had 20,000 kilometers of testing every winter. I think really, really interesting example of, you know, is there, we, we talk about we need an American driver in Formula One. It's clear the talent's there. It's just a question of the opportunity of getting these guys into Formula One machinery. I mean, if I had my list of drivers who haven't raced in F1, but I'd like to see an F1. Jimmy Johnson would be on that list. Probably with Jeff Gordon, Rick Mears would have been another one. Um, you know, I think there, there is a lot of talent in America. We, I think people in Europe are slightly dismissive of NASCAR just because they're big, brutish machines without necessarily the technology or the performance, frankly, of a top-line Le Mans prototype or a, or a Formula 1 car. But that doesn't mean they're easy to drive. You know, look at how much Frank Eaty, for example, struggled when he went to NASCAR. Montoya, even, you know. Kimmy. Kimmy, yeah. So It's it America's sh- Formula One, isn't it, really? It, it shows that they're not easy cars to drive. And it, you know, ultimately, driving a race car, whatever car it is, is a, is a balance of feel and grip and power and just how, you, how you're managing all of that. And, you know, if you can drive, you can drive. Yeah, I think I think what it showed because Fernando struggled. He admitted he got was very far away from a good lap in the NASCAR, and it wasn't on the right tyres for the track. And a Bahrain Formula One circuit isn't the best stomping ground for a, a big heavy NASCAR. But I think he struggled a lot for the just to understand it. The steel brakes. He said it was like trying to felt it was like trying to slow down a seven four seven. Just so everything's so slow and laborious. Um, but it's all that talent. I mean, there's obviously a Jimmy Johnson has talent as a racing driver. That's instantly transferable to Formula One cars. So, you know, if Liberty Media are looking at, we need an American in Formula One if we're going to break this market, you know, the drivers are there. We've just got to find a scenario that we can bring them across. It doesn't take years and years of Formula Three and Formula Two to do it. And we should say, actually, for those who aren't so familiar with NASCAR drivers, Jimmy Johnson is 
kind of a gold standard driver. The past few years haven't been so good, but he's a seven times champion. He's won a huge number of races. He'd probably won more than seven titles if there weren't increasing attempts to make it. It's quite hard to win the NASCAR title because they created the chase and then the, the knockout system, format in the chase yeah. playoffs. So it's not just a question of being the best driver over the course of a season now. So Johnson, he's a he's a, a gold standard driver, just that it was worth putting in context. Did you he, get, he's kind of an Alonso of America, you could say. Did you get the impression he'd want to Race full time in Formula One? Oh, absolutely! I think he said if he if he was offered it tomorrow, he'd he'd jump at it. Um, I think he he's got he was grew up in Southern California, said all his was all um you know following single seater people, Rick Mears, uh, Andretti, but just the way his racing career mapped out took him into NASCAR. Um, so that Formula One opportunity wasn't there. But he's talked about. I said, joked to him. I said, does this make you wish that you'd had a single seater career? He says, what makes you think I can't? And then he talked about his Hendricks contract runs out in 2020 and some IndyCar road courses um, the following year. So, you know, there are these drivers are interested in single seaters. They are interested in Formula One. Uh, and I think it's really opened up the prospect of, you know, we need to find ways to get these people crossing cross. Just as we were, you know, surprised Fernando, Fernando going to Indy was such a shock to us um, when it happened. And Fernando going doing sports cars, you know, we need to get back to this era where drivers are, swapping around and moving stuff because I think the talent would just go up and up. How interested was Alonso in NASCAR? I think he was interested in a, a new experience of what it was like. But I think just as Jimmy Johnson said at the end of the day, I think he said he didn't get the, the best of these swaps today because I think just the being heavier and slower, different brakes, not the ideal track. Um, and when he stepped out of a Formula 1 car into that, um, I think it's very, very different prospects. And I got, got the impression that, you know, Fernando still wants to be, when he's racing cars, he'll, he'll drive anything, but when he's racing, it wants to be cutting edge. It wants to be at the very top and racing against the very, very best people. There was quite a funny quote from him in the day. He says, when you, you're lapping in a NASCAR 40 seconds off the Formula One car pace, it feels horrible. But then if there are 40 of you doing that and you're 39.5 seconds off, suddenly it feels great. So it's all about competition, but I think he wants to be at the very, very peak. I think it'd be interesting to see what Alonso would do in NASCAR because the logical thing, I think, is that Brown's chest there, so we could get him to do it. He could do a road course race. We do see these sorts of drivers turning up in the, the road course race in NASCAR, but I'd have thought it'd much more appeal to him to have a go in an, on an oval race because those cars are much more at home on ovals. You know, they're, they're, they're very agricultural on a on a road course but once you get them up to high speed on an oval they're, they're much more precision cars so I, and he's talked about liking the Daytona 500 before so I'm sure Alonso will be tempted by having a go at that but that said he would know how challenging it would be to go into something like NASCAR and race well, on an oval you know it, it would require a, a lot of work to do it and be and be good but you know uh, particularly somewhere like Daytona which is a, a plate race track you just go and flat out it's all about racing now stairs and, and, and as he showed at Indy he's got he's He's a quick learner and he's, in any racing situation, you back Alonso to think his way through it. But I think Johnny's point is I don't know if he'll enjoy it. I, I think he's just... I don't think he'd enjoy it on a road course. No, I, I just... It doesn't sound like it, a start and park at the Daytona 500 is on the Yeah, on the I mean, cart. within the first five <laughs> laps, if you drive something, you kind of go, yeah, I, f- I fancy this is mega, I want to do more. Or I go, mm, I'm not quite sure about this. I think, and, he, I think he also, with the not being, you know, cutting edge technology and pace-wise... He also, I discussed ovals with him. He says, you got to think of the techniques and bump drafting and how to deal with traffic and stuff. It's, it's a different world to what he's grown up in. Uh, and I know he's, he did well in, in Indy, 
but I don't think that's as far removed from all his single seater experience. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, coming up, I don't I think don't think he wants to do anything. He doesn't think he can win in. I mean, that's the key, and I think he w- is clever enough to know that if he t- goes to NASCAR, he's not going to walk in and get the glory straight away. And he he actually, you know, he's unbelievably intelligent. He would have seen people like. Montoya and Frankie and all these single seater guys going there and, and struggling to make it work and he'd be well, look how Frank, uh, Hitt, Frank Hitty really struggled yeah but I mean you know he Fernando obviously has that inner belief that he's better than anybody else which we should know, be doing it then shouldn't he because he was saying in the summer yeah. you know his quest for Indy 500 glory and Le Mans it was all part of this motorsport revolution he was bringing back this era that John mentioned of drivers doing more than just one discipline and now you're saying oh it, he he shouldn't shy away from NASCAR when, when on they that announced, basis. When they announced he was doing the Indy 500 last year, there was the quote where he said, well, there's two ways to be the best driver in the world. One, I can win eight world championships, which isn't going to happen, or I can win in everything. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right, John, in terms of, you know, NASCAR is very specialised and it may well not appeal to him, but you, you never know. It might be one of those things where I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure he wouldn't even think about doing a full season in NASCAR because it's a huge commitment. Um, but it might, it might appeal to him to take on something like a Daytona 500. Mm, well, yeah, just impressed. At the end of the day, he said to Jimmy Johnson, "If you could do this test again tomorrow, would you?" Yep, straight. Give me. I'll sign up now. Fernando, do you, has today whetted your appetite? Do you want to do it again? Well, no, I'm all right. I've got work to do and Indy to do. <laughs> so maybe that does say something. So perhaps we shouldn't expect to the see revolution it. ends here. Well, we should briefly <laughs> say because it has been confirmed that Fernando Alonso is going to race at Daytona in uh, 24 hours again this year. Last uh, well, this season, rather, the season just completed. He raced at United Autosports Ligier there. That was always a bit of an outside contender. The, the Ligier wasn't the, the strongest uh, car in, in, on that type of, of, of circuit. But with Wayne Taylor racing, he's got a realistic chance of, of winning. They've won it several times in recent years. Top team in, uh, in, uh, in DPI racing. So he's got a realistic chance of going to Daytona and, and winning the 24-hour race this year. Next yeah, year, sorry. Yeah, he does. You know, he's going to be obviously teammates of Kobayashi and uh, I think, is it Jordan Taylor's? Yeah, the regular. The card as well, um, as well as Renga van der Zend, I think, is in there as well. So Fast lineup. Yeah, no, very good lineup. Um, you know, he's he's gone off, he's going off to different things and, you know, there's no limit to what he does in 2019. I think I'd still, more than anything, I'd still like to see him in a top team in F1 in 2020, frankly, because... I think that's I where, think that's more than anything he he'd like to, to see be. that as well. Yeah, it's a shame to lose him from F1, isn't it? It's you know, obviously he's been around a long time, but he's he's still at the top of his game, and it's too soon for him to go. So hopefully, it is a sabbatical and not not a retirement. Yeah, there seems there seems every chance that. But it, it is fascinating to see him taking on some of these other challenges and these other races. It'll be interesting to see what else he he comes up with to do because he's got some wet races next year with Toyota. Obviously, the Super Season straddles the year, so it goes on till Le Mans in in June next year. He's got that Daytona twenty four hours outing, and I'm sure there'll be people offering him things. If I was him, I'd be trying to do Bathurst. McLaren should stick him in the car for FP one in Barcelona or something. Good benchmark. You know, exactly. They want him to it's, test it's, it's, the next year's car, don't they? I yeah, think. but that's what I mean. Do it in FP1 in Barcelona or something. You know, it's a circuit that both Lando and Carlos know really well. They would have tested their pre-season. It's Spain. Good bit of PR. Um, just turn a little bit just, of pressure on the two drivers. Well, well, won't and it? Keep, well, gives them a reference. As Ed said, I think, you know, just stick him in it. And we all know they'll take him one run to get up to speed. <laughs> And he, he'll, be, he'll be there. But it's a good reference for the team, I think. Well, I reckon the more competitive McLaren is next year, the more likely he is going to actually will drive that car. I'm, I'm sure in the tests, I spoke to Gilles de Ferran, I said, your phone's going to be ringing hot if the McLaren looks quite good in the 
test next February from Fernando. He says, yeah, I'm sure it's going to happen. He's going to be following it and progressing it. And if he sees sees it's there, guys, can I have a run, please? It's quite a big if, though, isn't it, at the moment? But, you know, I think it'll be a longer, probably a longer term term thing. I, I, I'm sure he'll test the car next year. I doubt if the McLaren will be strong enough for him to want to race it. But it'll be interesting to see what happens beyond that, especially if he ticks off Indy. Now, it's going to be hard for him to win because winning Indy is very, very difficult. But we saw last year he can be in the mix, as he was. And if he got to the end of the race, he'd have certainly had a, a top six result at, at worst. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced he'd have been top three. Whether he could have quite won it, interesting. That's when experience really comes into it in the in the, in the cut and thrust. But you know, the Triple Crown is, is the number one objective. But it might also act as a, a season where he's not doing quite so much, might recharge the batteries, and he might be desperate to get back into it. Yeah, the break can do you good. In 2020, yeah. he's, he's clearly had enough of flogging his guts out in a inferior car that's scrapping for minor points. So just to get out of that environment and the relentlessness of it, he might come back even a stronger driver just from not driving. It does happen. Yeah, it can happen. And usually the thing that makes people want to stop is just that relentless schedule, etc. We, we saw someone like Jensen Button had these last year. He didn't do very much. This year, okay, it's a much smaller calendar, but he's come back in Super GT, won that. So, yeah. Well, he's done Super GT and WEC, though. So well, he's had quite exactly, a busy yeah. year. Yeah. But um, just a diff- I'm, I'm, just a change so, so it just shows you, you have a year off and or yeah. a year scaled back, and yeah. suddenly you can you kind of get the the fight and the desire back. Well, even even Lewis, who's at the top of his game, winning multiple championships with the best team, is having to make changes to his lifestyle, his way of doing things, his well, travelling, his diet exactly. to cope with the schedule. He re- mentions it every year how draining it is and how hard it is to keep keep yourself operating at your best. So yeah, I bet it's only I- worse if the car is terrible and you've got all these other problems on top. I bet Fernando's not missing the Abu Dhabi tyre test, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I don't think you'll be enjoying it. So that's, that's a good uh, a good time for you to mention that because we do need to talk a little bit about the tyre test. Uh, clearly the most interesting thing is that we've seen some of the, the drivers in, in new places, should we say, or in old places in some some cases. We saw Kimi Raikkonen having a run out for Sauber, Carlos Sainz in the McLaren, Lance Stroll in the Force India that he's not yet been confirmed <laughs> to, to be driving shoot next out. season. Yeah, yeah, shoot out with himself. Um you could, you could ungenerously say something about who's got the quickest wallet, but actually, I'm it is harsh because actually, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Stroll measures up next season against Perez because actually, you don't win Euro F3 by chance the way he did it. He's he's got ability. He's a driver who now has got the chance in in that team up against Perez to really show what he can do. It's going to be very tough because Perez is a good driver. So uh, that's yeah, going to be... a big year for Stroll, isn't it? I think I got the sense that he was a little bit disinterested by this second season. I, a little he, bit? A little bit, <laughs> you yeah. You can see you only showed up at three <laughs> races this year. <laughs> any any driver who has... You know, his, his rookie season was okay, but he would have been thinking, oh, well, I got a podium in my first season and the car was pretty good and I could fight for points. And then the second year, you want to build on that in terms of results and so many drivers fall into this trap of expecting that to be the base level and things just move up. And obviously Williams have gone so far backwards in one year and he's he's just not been bothered at all, has he? It, it doesn't look like it. Maybe on the first laps still, but after that, it's just been, oh, what you know? What am I doing? Flogging my guts out. Kind of mini version of what's been happening with Fernando. Exactly. Yeah. And we've seen, for example, Monza, he drove well when he had a chance. And so ultimately he's going to need to be consistently at the top of his game to go up against someone like Perez next season. That's going to be very, very difficult. And Force India are going to be up near the sharper end of the midfield, aren't they? They're a, a, a good team, always on it. So yep. he's, he's not going to have anywhere to hide like he had this year. Uh, I think Force India make good progress next year as well because they've got money to spend now, which they didn't really have this year. You know, they, I think 
Andy Green and his um, team at Silverstone do an amazing job, really, and this year, considering all the ups and downs and, you know, the lack of money and all the rest of it, they still, if you combine, let's say, version one, version two of Force India, they would still have been fifth in the World Championship, which is a pretty remarkable achievement, considering it's a team that could well have disappeared in some break. So They're probably the best team on the grid, aren't they, outside of the... the, the for the money they have, for what they do with it. Yeah, pe- people often look at that. And I think if you look at it pound for pound, you know, the points they score is is probably true. I just think it's it's a very, I don't know, it's a, it's a very hypothetical thing to be saying because the pressures of delivering championship success versus being best of the rest are totally different. Sure, but I get the sense there's always... There's always performance there at Force India that they just haven't been able to physically add to the car because of the financial limitations. It's not that the the ability or the creativity is lacking. I think it's that, you could for other teams. In some ways, it's almost the other way. I think actually every bit that they put on the car works, which you see with other teams. They bring updates that they try and they retry and they retry. And you know, Williams tried. Remember last year they kept bringing this front wing, which they keep putting on the car. And eventually, Massa just after the pit lane, Austria, I think, last year, there was a race. You know, the front big just didn't do what it was supposed to do. Whereas, and you see with McLaren, you see with Ferrari this year, for example. But Torosso this year Torosso as well. Torosso as well, Massively, yeah. They yeah. took ages to get their update to work. But I think Force India, and I think Andy in particular, That's I remember having a conversation with him about it, saying, there's no way I would sign off our you know, manufacturing to produce something if I didn't genuinely believe it's going to add a tenth, two tenths, three tenths of performance. And I think he's he and the team do a very good job of that. John, is there anyone running in the test for the first time that you're particularly interested in next season? Obviously, we've also got Pierre Gasly in the Red Bull, Daniel Kvyat back. You know, there's, there's a load of drivers in, in new places I because think, of this. I think a lot of the interest is around Charles Leclerc at Ferrari, really. That I think you know he's going to be the most fascinating one. So that's a big pressure step up. Um, at Ferrari, we we know, I know Gasly's had one season. He's going up against Max Verstappen, but I think people ex- aren't expecting a a full on challenge there. That he can have a year in Max's shadow, and it won't be a problem. But Ferrari is not as unforgiving a team. There's a lot of more focus and pressure to deliver. Um, you know, he's stepping in the footsteps of Kimi Raikkonen. So you know, this was a performance driven decision rather than needing to find someone to fill a vacant seat. So there's a kind of different expectations there. Fire's getting but some abuse now. Fire's being rescued There's now. another round of Chandok versus fire going on here. He has no, he has no bellows, so he has to blow on the, the fire. The, the and human, that's the sound the human bellows. hearing. So I think the, the fact he's hit the ground running, I know it's testing and testing times mean nothing. I mean everything at the same time. That, But the fact he's settled in quite well, he'll have got the understanding, you know, a bit of knowledge of where the team's at, where he's at. Um, he's tested he's for them the before as well, hasn't he? Which helps. Yeah, he did the so. did a filming a filming day as they call them, uh, Monza. Um, he's done some um, tire testing as well. Yeah. So he's not, but this is the first time in a in a car as an official Ferrari driver with the 2019 tires on a Grand Prix week, on the same track that Vettel's driven the the day before. So um, good expectations, and I'm, I've got no doubts he's going to do a, a sensational job. But I'm sure there's going to be some bad days, as there are going to be some exceptional days. But they are clearly, you know, trying to do everything to help him. You know, they've shifted Jocklier from being sort of chief race into his corner a bit more. They, I think they recognise 
you know, we've seen in the past Ferrari haven't been so keen on taking rookies. Well, I don't think they really have taken any rookies ever. So they, it's somewhat, it's a, big departure, it's, isn't it's it, a bit, bit of unknown territory for them. I mean, it's very reminiscent of the Massa situation, isn't it? Back in 2006, when they promoted him from Sauber. Although he had three race seasons with Sauber and a full season of testing with Ferrari yeah. going into that. So. But also, even there, they had to, you know, they did the first three or four races and then they, they reshuffled things. They got Smedley to go from the test team to race team to engineer him there. And then he started to come good. But I think, yeah, I'm interested to see not just how he does, but also how Ferrari manages the situation because I think it's it's very different having him a lot, him versus a, a Kimi who's been around for you know seemingly forever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's very interesting because it, it, Leclerc is in a position to really put the pressure on Vettel because there's the, there's question marks about that, whether Vettel's the kind of long term driver for Ferrari and yeah. If he asserts himself over Leclerc early on, great. But if Leclerc starts out qualifying him and outperforming him, it doesn't even need to be all the time. Then it, it's big trouble, isn't it? For yeah, Seb. And it, uh, it does look exactly. a bit like that, doesn't it? Because the the situation. I mean, Corinne's mentioned this before. They had there already with Seb and Kimi. It was quite comfortable. They got on really well. They wanted similar things from the car. It helped drive everything in the same direction. All this stuff that you like to hear. Technically, no politics, no drama off the track. So you keep all that stress to a minimum but ultimately Kimi wasn't quick enough to really push Vettel on and eventually if you're not winning championships and Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes is you start to think well if Lewis Hamilton was in our car would he be winning this championship probably so you think well are we getting the most out of Vettel how much further can he go how do we get that out of him having Kimi Raikkonen in the team is not clearly achieving that so we need to plug in somebody else to try and get a bit more out of our our number one guy. And I mean, Leclerc is, you know, of the guys that have come up recently, he's after, I think after Max, he was the one being talked about in the junior categories as the, the one to watch and everything we've seen so far, if someone wants to back that up. So good luck to him, but also good luck to Seb because it's going to be a big test for him, I think. Another interesting driver in the test is we saw George Russell having actually his first outing for Williams. They signed him without having Having run him, so Karun, you've got some affiliations with uh, with Williams. You, uh, what's your official title? Your heritage driver. So you're always TV driving. presenter. TV presenter. Yeah, I wear many hats. <laughs> many hats. Is, does one of those hats say racing driver? Yes. Thank you very much. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'll just, right, just, like just to check. go back in your little corner there, straw. Right. <laughs> uh, so what? What are you expect? Have another piece of cake. <laughs> I'm planning you to those. Waste those. away. No, I, I'm I'm running out of energy as we as we speak. But yeah, George George Russell. Clearly, the fact that they signed him without testing him is a big show of confidence. What do you expect from him next year? Particularly up against Robert Kubica, who's sort of half a rookie but half a, a returning former former great. Really, well, I mean, George comes into F1 with all the right things on his CV, doesn't he? You know, champion in F4, GP3, Formula Two. Now, Van Dorn has shown that that doesn't necessarily mean success in a you know at, at the top level but i do think that george is properly good um i hope that the 2019 williams allows him to you know at least be qualifying in q2 and racking up some points along the way because you don't want to be banging around at the back yeah you, like, as a drift because what what can you prove exactly and and also it, it's the same problem as the alex albon situation you know how how do we judge him? Because Kubica is one of the great unknowns of Formula One at the moment. We, you know, yeah, he was mega back in the day, 
But eight years out of racing, eight years out of the cockpit, that's difficult to come back from that. Do you, do you think his Mugello 12 hours outing a couple of years ago will, will have helped him get back into the race mindset? Mm, maybe, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's just a... Um, difficult reference point as well. It's such a it? difficult reference point. So how how quick are they versus how quick is the car? You know, it's... it's Hard for the team to it's judge. Really it's really hard it? to take. Because Which what is the we've seen this of, season as well. Yeah, because what we've seen of Kibitza so far in the outings he ha- has had, I mean, the Abu Dhabi test 2017, he lost the drive to Sorokin. He wasn't as impressive as Williams were hoping. You got the sense that they wanted the to Renault. sign him then. And, in the and Renault as well. I think Renault, Renault genuinely yeah. wanted to sign him as a replacement for Palmer. And they went, oh, no, he's not quite there. Williams found the same thing. He's had some more runs out this year in free practice, but again, nothing stellar on the pace. So you have to say, well, the Kibitza of now accepting obviously it's heroic for him to come back from the horrific injury he had is not the same Kubica that everybody remembers so he's not the reference point necessarily in that team and then you've got Formula 2 champion a guy who looks like he's got a fine career ahead of him Uh, fastest lap ever of the Hungaroring I think Paddy Lowe was saying we don't need to test him because he's tested for Mercedes and we can see all that data if we ask them for it and he looks like the real deal but of course you don't know so in terms of Williams judging one against the other that's going to be going to be tricky i mean signing george was a lower risk thing to do i think though yeah wasn't it like off off the two but if you had to yeah I'd agree as with george that, yeah. versus kubica it, it he's you'd I mean, like george think, george you know is fast but you won't know how fast whereas kubica you're not really sure you, you wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he was he could be fighting at the very very front if the car's quick enough or could be at the back and struggling it's really hard hard to judge I don't Where think, I don't think really Kibitz know. will be the fastest guy in that team. I get the sense that once he gets up to speed, it, speed, it will be Russell and actually Kibitz will be the one trying but to work least out where, if, where the pace has gone. If it pans out that way, Robert has got the experience and the push and the knowledge and the commitment to drive that engineering part of the team forward. So it may not necessarily, even if he's not as quick as, ends up not as quick as George, on that have. front, they'll have a known quantity, which is just what that team needs as it's plotting its recovery. Yeah, I think even this year, you know, I, you often see him sitting in meetings longer than the race drivers, and you know, you see him banging on the table and sort of trying to drive a point home. And you know, he's worked in big teams that compete, competed at the front and were able to score podiums regularly. Um, you know, twenty ten, okay, Renault were weren't championship contenders, but they were the car was pretty good, and he managed to get some good podiums and results. So twenty ten was a great season. It was a fantastic season on the whole, but I think mm. he knows, you know, the, the the amount of work that needs to happen, and I think, you know, Johnny's point is absolutely right. He'll he'll push that side of things if if not, you know, if he's not able to achieve it in the car, and he might well do. I think that's one of the more interesting subplots for qualifying when we get to Melbourne. I think is really, you know, is Kubica going to be there when it counts when when you're looking for the last tenth. In that final lap, the clock's gone to zero, and you've got to deliver the lap. In all the fuel's out, everyone's on the same plan. Yeah, you got one hit to make it happen. You know, can you do it then? Only Melbourne will tell us. But where, but where Williams are coming from, you know, the 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 temps he can bring in terms of engineering and development and understanding, it's probably great. Williams are in greater need of that progress on the car front, and we far far further forwards than if they had, you know, even Alonso or a Hamilton pace-wise in there, who couldn't develop the car. So, um. You know, on that front, they need someone to to lift the car up, and then when the car's there, if Robert can't do it, then you slot in. You know, this the super, the proper superstar you know can do it. 
yeah, it's going to be a, a, another very good subplot. And I think Kibitz will certainly bring something to the to the team, but it will be interesting. I think that point about the, the last few tenths in qualifying. You know, we, we get very used to talking about tenths of a second, but if you think about it, two, three tenths of a second is not very much, and so that is indicative of how just a tiny a tiny disadvantage makes makes a big difference. And that's what we're talking. Clearly, you can drive a Formula One car quickly, showing that time course, and time yeah. again. But you're in that. You know, at this very top level, what could he do? It's going to be fascinating to to follow. And, and if anyone can, it's uh, it's Robert Kubica. John, how about the McLaren drivers? I've seen Carlos Sainz out in the, in the McLaren. Lando Norris is going to be his teammate. McLaren probably second only to Williams isn't isn't you wouldn't be your first choice of team to go into at, at this stage. So it's going to be tough for both of them, isn't it? Lando coming in fresh and Carlos Sainz Junior. kind of having to rebuild after after his his Renault move experiment, kind of didn't pay off and he, he probably thought he'd go into the season whatever happens either as a Renault Works driver or a Red Bull driver he's ended up with neither yeah I think a, a bit like Williams scenario really that a lot's going to depend on what they can unlock from the car and what they understand um, I spoke to Zach in uh, Abu Dhabi about you know the season just gone I said normally when teams have bad seasons you you know they understand what's gone wrong and they put updates on the car and developments and you see a, an upward trend as the season finishes and that's your springboard into the following season but McLaren was the total opposite the car started the year off quite well and drifted away and drifted away and they didn't see any progress so I said does that mean you've not understand it they said no no the problem was there was a fundamental problem on this car that couldn't be cured now what we were going to do it was not going to improve um, so it was in effect a, a write-off of a season and by the time they realized this fundamental problem it was too late to start again and come up with a b-spec so I think if they found it in March the b-spec would have been it would have been out post-summer break and it may well have been a, a different story. So I think Carlos in particular is going to be relying on that McLaren has understood it, that next year's car is is the step forward. And he's, he's got the experience, but you know he hasn't got the experience of someone like Kubica, um, but he's got the speed. Um, and I think he's going to relish a chance of stepping up and you know being a focus of this team, being pushing it forwards and the team relying on him to, to drive development because you know, Lando is the rookie. Uh, but also, you know, I think we've had a, the, I'm right in saying we've had probably the most fluid driver market this year going into 2019 than we've had ever. Uh, only well, after, after the first, I mean, this is the first Formula 1 season, there's been no driver changes yeah. <laughs> from the first yeah. race, first race to only last two, race. Yeah. Only two teams are carrying the same driver lineup, aren't they? It's amazing, really. Only Haas and Mercedes, isn't yeah, it? Finally. But and Kimi still retained a seat in yeah. Formula 1. <laughs> but, it's, but it's remarkable, though, because six months ago, it was looking like it was going to be quite static. You know, anyone who tells you they saw all this coming in the driver market is talking absolute nonsense. Because, and it all did start with Ricardo yeah. on his flight after the Hungary test across to New York, where he suddenly basically seemed to think, oh, actually, I think I need a change. I'm going to go to Renault. Yeah. Which is basically that, what happened. But that, that changed all that. But also Ferrari making the step to, to go with Leclerc. You know, that was, because I think and Alonso every year, stepping back. Yeah, but also every year we'd sit at this review podcast and Panderson and I would go, Kimmy's got another one-year deal. <laughs> we, we thought we're going to be doing that till 2030 or something. But Forever. I, I thought it was forever. Yeah. It's broken the universe. He's, just now, he's still going to be on a Fiat contract. It's just he's in another <laughs> car now till 2030. But, you know, I think it's an interesting time because you've also got people like Mick Schumacher now racing in Formula 2. Um, you know, if he he's obviously won the F3 championship. He's, you know, he's he's developed really well from the outset at least looking I haven't been as close to the F3 European season as some other people but um, you know he's Formula 3 champion he's racing F2 suddenly if he comes good next year he's going to be on the table for a 2020 seat and 
you know, the PR value of that is monumental for any race team, really. Uh, just going back to the, the McLaren drivers, I'm interested to see what you think on this, Kareem, because one of the things that struck me about Lando, we've seen him in quite a few FP1s this year, and the one thing I have seen through him that's very encouraging is we've seen this problem with Alonso's really been able to hustle that McLaren and get a lap time out of it. Van Dorn's been a bit constrained. It's like he's sat within its, in, in its own, the car's limitations. Whereas Lando has been, when he's been out with Van Dorn, he's been noticeably a bit more, a bit more aggressive, able to improvise a bit more. I don't, I'm not saying he's on Alonso's level, but that's been quite encouraging. The fact that he looks like a driver who's able to kind of live with a little bit of instability and, and, and try and drag a time out of the car. The problem with these FB1s is it's just so hard to judge because you have no idea. You, you, you know, teams can make drivers look amazing or, or less amazing. And it's just... Well, Bottas is the green track champion, isn't he? Yeah, As you always saying. say, on yeah, the yeah, FP1, yeah. he's one of the most outstanding performers, but it doesn't always or nearly never carries no, no, through no. to the crucial moment. But I think it's more with, with Norris. It's the fact that he can do that thing of... Yeah, I think let's let's just let's just wait and see. I mean, I also well, that's I, not very interesting. We're predicting. No, no, but can you, also, can you, what, what will be his twenty-one results in order next year? <laughs> Go. <laughs> but I I also often say to people, we can't. We have to look at the first four races in the calendar now as a block, because they're four very different circuits that we go to, um, and, and you know it's impossible to draw a trend. You need to look at the the first four as a whole because you know you've got a, a street circuit. In Melbourne, you've got a front-limited circuit in China. You've got a rear-limited circuit in Bahrain where it's, you know, China can be freezing cold or hot, and Bahrain is going to be hot. We know that even at night. And then you've got Baku, which is just a wild street race, which, you know, depends how many shunts and safety cars we have. So you you need to kind of wait to judge. But I also, also but, think well, for rookies, I, think, I tend to think for rookies, you also get the first few races of the season as a bit of a sighter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Norris wouldn't have been to Melbourne ever, um, I would have thought. He wouldn't, or at least not driven around it. Um, you know, nowadays, obviously, they've got simulators and things like that. And actually, in F1, it's easier to learn a track than an F2 because you've got four hours of track time, whereas in F2, he's done with 45 minutes of tra- free practice. So I don't think that'll be a problem, but it will be tricky because it's it's those details that when you get to qualifying... Carlos will know, you know, with the track evolution, this is the offset and the front wing that I need. Every run, you know, the grip comes up. We need to do this with the front wing. We need to do this with the tire pressures. This is how I'll do the prep lap. You know, he'll he'll know when it gets to qualifying. Norris won't have that reference until he's got three or four under his belt. So, but, the good, but the good thing for Norris is that he knows the team a bit better than science because he's already yeah. ensconced and grown up in that team and he hasn't got Alonso as his teammate to bury his confidence in the first four races. That's true, yeah. isn't it? There's, there's two ways of looking at science as an experienced and formidable driver. He's not Fernando so, Alonso But, but yet, that, though, that probably is the one thing that you think, actually, last year I was effectively being compared to such as you can be compared to him. So I remember Jensen saying to me, actually, in, in Goodwood that, uh, the year before, when he was still in the race seat, and they were debating, you know, him versus Van Dorn for the following year, so that must have been 2016, I guess. Um, well, they had a couple of goes at that, didn't they? Because no, he did the Bahrain as substitute for Alonso. That's right. Yeah. And then he, but anyway, this was Goodwood 2016. I remember Jensen saying, you know, they're talking about Stoffel, but Stoffel is underestimating how difficult it is to be Fernando's teammate, and mentally, Fernando will will just walk all all over him. And at the time, I thought, well, maybe Jensen, you know, you you sort of wonder, is Jensen just saying that to 
talk himself up. Yeah, you know, and and fight his corner. But actually, lo and behold, sort of two and a half years later, that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, I think being in Fernando Alonso's teammate is probably the toughest gig in Formula One, isn't it? So yeah, I think from that perspective, anything after that, even if it is someone like Carlos Sainz, uh, you're, you're probably thinking, yeah, this this isn't too bad. Well, it shows us lots to look forward to next year, and it's been interesting to to see some of uh, these familiar faces and new faces in uh, in unusual places. So, but you can, will Stroll get the Force India drive? We well, still haven't answered that's, that. That's the very big question. question. I wonder if they'll just never confirm, and he'll just turn up in testing, and it's just maybe. maybe I notice he's got team kit already. Maybe it'll be race racing. by race, like Senna in '93. <laughs> a good comparison, but yeah, no, and I, I'm interested to see how Stroll goes next year. I want to give him a, a proper, a proper if he's, chance. If he gets the contract, Ed, nothing's until it's announced. It's not official. You can't be sure of anything. You, you things agreed until anyway. everything's agreed. Well, there was a time I'm not on a plane now until next March, so you can't be getting that's, announced. That's true. That's always confirmed when you're uh, in flight. Because you, you were linked with Force India back in the day, weren't you? Green, you, you yep. still don't rule yourself chance? out. Oh, come back, maybe. You're the Nigel Mance of this podcast. You've not you've not <laughs> retired. <laughs> well, if you want to have a look at some of the, the coverage from that test, head to watersport.com. Lots of pictures and news from Scott Mitchell, who stayed out behind to uh, cover that test for us. Also check out our Plus subscriber area, where the world's leading motorsport journalists and occasionally Ben Anderson uh, write a few bits and pieces about everything. Formula One, rallying, IndyCar, loads to get your teeth into there. Also check out sister titles, F1 Racing Magazine, now Ben's Dominion out monthly and motorsport.com and if you fancy a flutter head to pit stop betting download the app and uh, you can bet on formula one indycar all sorts thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another auto sport podcast Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a Roaring Twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.